Amen. You may be seated. This has been an amazing week. I know, I know some of you may not have been keeping up that much with the news, but I imagine most of us probably have gotten a little bit of a hint or two of what the Supreme Court, the majority of the justices, decided upon and announced to the nation on Friday that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. <clears throat> that has been a subject that for 49 years, many within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this nation have been praying that it would be revoked, it would be overturned. The justices, in effect, found that the Constitution of the United States of America does not allow the freedom for a woman, a mother, to take the life of her unborn child. That that would be a decision that would be referred to the states so that the voters, the individual voters in each state would make the decision of what is legal or illegal with regard to an abortion. Across the country, many cities, day and night, the cry has come up, but it's a woman's right to choose. You're taking away a woman's right to choose, an appropriate civil response to such an outcry could be something like this, the 63 million unborn American lives could say, but what about us, but what about us? The Lord in his timing and in his way works all things after the counsel of his will, the scripture says. So we continue to pray. The battle, of course, is not won for the unborn. That action by the Supreme Court, as you know, did not outlaw abortions in the nation in spite of what is being said. It just refers it back to the majority vote within the nation, within the states. Therefore, we, we continue to pray. The Lord is always going to be on the side of, as he says repeatedly, particularly in the Old Testament, he will always be on the side of the widows and the orphans, the helpless. We must be found on the side of the Lord. It's not about the Lord being on our side. It's about us being on his side. Because the battle, as we've just sung, the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Lord, I ask you this morning to speak to your people. Would you not let the preacher get in the way of what you want to say to your people? Would you not let there be distracting thoughts, but let our hearts be be centered around what you want to say to your people by the power 
of your Holy Spirit and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say amen with me today? Here is our subject for this morning. Three steps to greater power in prayer. Three steps to praying with greater power. And understand this is not an attempt to be an exhaustive treatment of the subject. But I do believe that there are three steps that the Lord by His Spirit invites us to take that will bring a refreshing sense of confidence that when we pray, the Lord hears. We're doing what He wants us to do. And if there has ever been a time in the life of our nation when the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be praying, it is now. It is now. It may be that, that the rounds are hitting so close to your boat that it is causing your rowboat to be battered about. And it's, it's, it's not about Washington. It's not about abortion. It's about something very personal, very close, very real that may have lasted for a while. And you're wondering, will there ever be an end to it? How, how can there ever be a solution these three steps, I just pray the Lord by His Spirit will warmly press into your heart to give you hope today, to give you hope today. The premise is this simply, that it is the invisible that determines or controls the visible. It is the spiritual that determines the physical. Otherwise, why in the name of common sense would, be, would we spend any time at all talking, trying to talk to an invisible God? If he is only after the fact, if he can only get away with, and even if he does get away with anything, what the physical entity tells him he can do. But the premise of Scripture is that the invisible God stepped out into nothing and said, let there be all of the things that followed and the things physically that have come into being have come into being because the prime mover, if you will, was the invisible God in charge of everything else. I submit to you today that though you can't see him, he's real. Though you can't feel his muscles, he's strong. Though we not be able, may not be able to hear his audible voice, he still has spoken and he still does speak. Step number one, with that premise in place, it is the spiritual that determines the physical. The invisible is control in control of the visible. And our God, who is spirit, is the one to whom we make our prayers. Step number one, when we pray, when we pray, we come to him as his child. 
we come to him as his child. Now, I know that as you hear that, you go, come on, pastor, give us something a little more profound. I'm going to tell you something, though. If you lose, if you lose the majesty of that reality, that somehow, some way, you are an actual child, not just a creation, but you are a child of the king of the universe. You got royal blood flowing in your face. How? How? On the basis of what do we say that? John 1.12. But to as many as received him, but to as many as received Jesus, embraced as your own, not your mother's Jesus, not, not Billy Graham's Jesus, not your friend's Jesus, but to as many as received. And it literally means to take as your own, to take Jesus as your own. His death on the cross for your sins, his burial, and his being raised again on the third day, meaning that he is alive forevermore, that wherever you are, he is. There's no place he can't be. There's no power that can break or overrule his power. He has all authority, and you have embraced Jesus the Christ of Nazareth as your Savior. But to as many as received him, received him, received him, to these, John 1.12 says, he gave the right, he gave the authority to be called the children of God. The difference between the creation of a piece of furniture by a finished carpenter and the child that that carpenter goes home. That's the difference between being a creation and a child of God. One God has done, the other God dearly loves, and that's you. If you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, by virtue of receiving Jesus, Jesus' Father becomes your Father. Now, what kind of Father is He? You see, he, he, this, is, this is where we need, to, we need to settle in on things just, just, just for a little bit. Prayer, there, pr prayer, isn't, prayer isn't, just, isn't just saying words in the direction of the invisible God. You just want to talk to that sheetrock. You just want to talk to this eye beam. You just talk to the, well, talk to the floor. If there's not a sense when you're saying it that the God to whom you're speaking to is hearing it and that he's moved by the things that move you, we just well to never say anything. But when there is that sense that I'm talking to my father, I'm talking to my father, there is a witness to your spirit that the Spirit of Jesus alive in you, and we'll look at this in just a moment, makes real, brings to life inside you something you never knew before. It's not just that Jesus is alive in me, it's but that I have a Father. And I can feel and sense the Father's love for me. I can sense his joy in me. I can sense his disappointment and points, but not so much, so much that he would never want to see me again. He'd want to take me out of the will. No. What kind of father is this? Psalm 103, David wrote these words. Now, now David was a, was a sinner. David was a repenter. 
David was a man after God's own heart. He was a businessman. He was a leader, a military leader, political, all of those things. But this is what he says about God as his father. Verse 8, 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Now, you may have never had a dad like this. You may have had the exact opposite. You may have had a father that you had a hard time ever wondering if you measured up to what he wanted. Or maybe he was always filled with anger and rage. Maybe you never had an earthly father in the home. (laughs) But if you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, this is who your father, not is going to be, but who he is right now. Who he is right now. Folks, this will make a difference in how you pray and the confidence that you have that what you're talking to your father about is going to be heard and responded to. This is a huge step toward power in prayer, recognizing that when I come to him, I'm coming to him not just as a child, but I'm coming to him as his child, his child. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who reverence him, who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. He loves us. He cares for us. He's compassionate and gracious. When you come to a father like that, you will want to keep coming to a father like that. If your conclusion is God's already so mad at you whenever your name comes up that he's just wanting to spit lightning bolts in your direction, Seldom, if ever, would a child who has the wrong view of the father ever approach the father. Remember the story Jesus told about the two brothers and the daddy, and the one brother always did everything right. The younger brother was skiing wide behind the boat all the time and just finally broke ties with home, went to the far country. Jesus made this story up. To clarify the kind of heart of the father that he came to represent to the human race. You remember the story. The, father, the, the son said, I want everything I've got coming to me. Father gave it to him. He took a father didn't try to track him down. The father let him go. The boy just drove his car truck off a cliff. Just ended up bankrupt. Didn't have any friends. Had to beg and eat with the hogs in order to get something to eat and to survive. But then that story, that story of when that boy decided, I'm a fool. 
I'm a fool for being away from, from leaving my father's house. Even the men that work for my daddy are taken care of. And here I am about to starve to death, thinking I was going to live my own life and it was going to be awesome. I've train wrecked my life. I'm going home. Scripture says, or Jesus tells that when, that when that daddy saw that boy who had broken every rule in, the, rule in the book, who had violated the family name, who had spurned of all that he had grown up with and had been blessed with. But when the daddy saw that boy coming home, Jesus said, the father, the older father, some way or another just gathered up his robes around him in those old days and, and, and took off running down the road and he fell on the neck of that boy and hugged him and kissed him and brought him home. And, and, and it didn't, didn't, didn't eliminate him from the will, didn't, didn't call the sheriff. The other brother said, call the sheriff, arrest him. He, he stole from the family. The father said, wait a minute. This son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. We're going to celebrate his return. When that settles into your heart, folks, listen, because none of us are going to live perfect lives. None of us will ever approach the throne without ever having any guilt or shame or things we've done that we knew were wrong. We did it anyway. And, and we could stack them up. But if our conclusion is that the father's already mad at me or that the father won't hear me because I've disappointed him, then we will fail to step into that place. We'll fail to come to the Father with the things that are of great concerns to our lives and the burdens we need to give Him and the breakthroughs that He wants us to believe Him for. But if there's a sense that even though I'm a mess up, even though I've broken His heart and I've, I've been a fool in my own eyes by the ways that I've lived in some things, there's still mercy. He's compassionate. And he's gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in loving kindness and mercy. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. I'm telling you, it is a step in the direction of power in your praying. Not that you're coming to him as the perfect son or daughter, but you're coming to, the, to him as a son or a daughter and you own your sins. But here's the difference. I'm coming to you, Lord, not perfect, but I'm coming to you, not rebelling. I'm coming to you, not trying to run from you. I'm coming to you because I need you, because I love you, because I want you, because I trust you. But not because it's me that I have measured up, because I've failed myself. I'm just saying, not only will there not be any power in your prayer, there won't be any prayer at all unless this shifts in our hearts. That my Father knows me. David writes about it. That he has compassion like a father has compassion on his children. That's how the Lord. Some of you grew up without the father, the earthly father showing that kind of compassion. And so it's as if you're having to learn by the opposite. I had a lady tell me recently that, that that was the truth for her, that she never grew up knowing the love of the Father until it dawned on her that what she was having to realize is that her heavenly Father was the opposite of her earthly Father. She learned by opposites, and that somehow warmed her heart and encouraged her heart that what my earthly daddy isn't, though I love him, 
My heavenly father is. This one will leave me, but this one will never leave me or forsake me. Let me show you something else. The two places in the New Testament where the apostle Paul uses, uses one word that is to be the cry of a child of God understanding who he or she is in the sight of the Lord and the freedom, that, that, that portion of authority, the word for authority mean, can mean freedom or permission. That Ernan and Shirley and I get, have the joy, the privilege of going and picking up one of our grandsons from a, from a daycare where mom and dad will leave him and they need to do something. So we, we'll figure out, try to figure out a way to get on it. We just love it. Love and have to go pick them up. Little Samuel, he's two going on about 14, you know, and, but, but they, when we go to the office and we say, you know, we're, we're here for, for, for Samuel Walker and we're, we're his grandparents and, and they go back there and they find that little, that little boy and, and, and they, get, they tell him that, you're, that Nana and Pops are here or whatever they say, but that little guy will round that corner. And he'll come tearing right at us. And, and I mean, if a wall was in the way, you'd feel like that kid would go right through it. But coming and jump up in our arms and we, we get to hold him. I, I almost get all choked up just, just talking about the joy that's in this granddaddy's heart. When that, but he, he's, he's, not, he's not one of the kids in the daycare. As far as we're concerned, he's the only one in the house. It doesn't matter about anybody else. That, that's my grandson. That's my grandson, folks. Where did this whole, where did this whole hard heart get that? Where'd that come from? My heavenly father put that in my heart for a son and a grandson. That's his heart for you. That's his. when that drops 18 inches. And you, and you refuse to believe the devil's lies anymore that there are some things God won't forgive. There's some things you've messed up so bad for so long that you're just, you're just at, a, at a disconnect with God. Don't even think about talking to him. That is a lie straight from the devil's heart. But the Lord's heart for us sometimes rebels and sometimes runaways and sometimes fools eventually in our own thinking. His heart is expressed by that daddy when that boy finally came back down the road that he walked out on, same road he left in as the road he came back. And that daddy went and hugged him and held him and they threw a party. And it was, it was restoration, it was reunion. If you see your heavenly father in that way, you'll talk to him. If you sense your heavenly father in that way, you won't stay away, you'll come. Now, that word that, that Paul uses, I, I want you to know that, um, that this is in your copy of the Scripture, Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 4. We're going to put it up on the screen and get there a little quicker, but if you can find it in your Bible, you look at it and, and write, mark this one up. Galatians, chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, and because you are sons, now, let me say, that, that is a word that, that is not just the masculine gender to be included. It is children in relationship to their father with unique characteristics.
characteristics about it. It can be male or female, he or she. But it's, just, it's translated here as sons. But you, you see it as daughters as well, if you're a lady, listen to this. And because you were sons, because you were sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That word for son is that word huyas, and it has two distinct characteristics about it. One of them is this, that there is the uniqueness of the relationship that that child has with the father. It's not some random something. It, it is, we, we, we're adopted as sons and daughters, meaning the Lord picked you out and chose you because he wanted you. Even when we didn't want him, even when we weren't pursuing him, he came, he won us, he drew us into himself and as a part of that, it was created and it was done because of a special relationship with the Father. But here's the second part of it. This son, this word for son or daughter, means that there is a likeness. It, it means that, that that son or daughter bears a resemblance to the Father. There's something about your spirit awakened by the life of the Spirit of Jesus that causes you to have a resemblance to your Father. Oh my goodness, that that's what the Lord has done when He saved us, when we received Christ as Savior Lord, has given us the authority to be His sons and His daughters. But that means that, that the uniqueness of that relationship is in place. But there's something about you that will remind folks of the Father have you ever met somebody in the Lord that you'd never laid eyes on before, never talked to, don't even know the first and last name, but you ride up an elevator with them, you go through a checkout line at a grocery store, you, you, you just see them in the street somewhere, and, and you maybe have a brief conversation, but you can sense it just like that. That one knows my Lord. I, I, there's a family resemblance. I, I, you, you, you just sense it, and that, that's, what, that's what this is talking about. And from that place of the son or the daughter in the unique relationship with the father and bearing resemblance to the father, from that relationship comes this word, Abba, Abba. What does that mean? Daddy, Papa, Pops. It's a term of endearment that a child will use with regard to whomever in their lives, and it would in this case be, be a male, be an earthly father, that they trusted, that they loved, that they wanted to be seen with, that they knew could help them out if they needed it, Abba. Paul is saying, here's what the Spirit of Jesus inside you will do inside your chest. What it'll rise up and work in your mind and what it'll blow forth with the emotions coming out of your mouth. The heart within you to sense that though he is awesome, though he is in so many ways beyond us, but he is still my Abba Father. My Abba. My Abba. My Abba. 
Now, you, if, if you've ever called your daddy daddy or had, had a relationship like that, you, you would know that, that there would be things that you would do that would disappoint your Abba. That there'd be things that you would say or, 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 or not show up for, not do your part in, that would be a disappointment. Here's the thing. Deeper than the fear of knowing you disappointed that one, was the confidence in your heart that somehow, some way, it was worth throwing yourself on the mercy of Abba because you believed that he cared for you. Oh, child of God, dear Spirit of the Lord, bathe us with the Spirit of Abba. Bathe us, bathe us with that working of your Spirit of knowing that my Father loves me. My Abba loves me. When that's operating, when that's working, you'll come to him. You'll go to him. You see this again, this thing of three steps toward power. In prayer, one of them has got to be to remove the obstacle of not going to your father. Of not going to your father. But when we know that he loves us, we know that we are his, his child with a unique relationship. And that there is embedded in your spiritual DNA a resemblance to your father. Then you'll pursue him. Let me show you something else here. Go go from Galatians is one of those places. Romans chapter 8 says the same thing, but he takes it a little further. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you've not received, Paul writes, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Then he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then he says, and if children, heirs also, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If children, heirs, if we're a child of God, then we're an heir of our father. But it's not just any kind of heir. H-E-I-R, it's a joint heir. (laughs) Listen to this. It's a joint heir with Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. And the Father's intention was that you and I who have received Jesus would be able to live with the knowledge in our hearts Not only are we not a stepchild, we're a literal child loved by our Father. But we're not some backdoor child. We're not some in time out child. We're a joint heir. A joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now that'll blow your hat in the creek when it settles in. I want you to go with me to uh, the book of Ephesians quickly. 
the book of Ephesians, and we've read these, these statements before. Ephesians chapter 1. Instead of going to chapter 1, let's go to chapter 2 first. Look at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, because we're coming up on step number 2. Step number 1 is coming to the Lord as your father. You are his child. You are his child. The second one is coming to him in prayer as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We find in chapter 2, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. That means it's something God did. It wasn't how much church we went to or how much money we gave or how many leaves we turned over. It was God's grace that worked in our hearts to cause there to be a desire for him. Otherwise, we would be spiritually dead and wouldn't have any desire for the things of God. But because of his grace, he started stirring something in your heart, in my heart, so that when I used to just be upset about the things related to Jesus, things about the Lord, things about his word, about his people, when that used to just bother me or numb me out, that now there has come to be an interest, there's come to be, maybe there's something to that. And as time goes on, you've come to realize that God is real, Jesus is real, the cross does set us free, the spirit of Jesus can come alive in a heart, and you become a new person, not because you did a thing, but it was by the grace of God working in your heart. So by grace you've been saved. But then it says in verse 6, he saved us, all right, he saved us. But then it says that he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What? What? Dead in sins, but forgiven by the grace of God brought into our relationship with Jesus. And then it says that as Jesus was raised up from the grave, we too, as far as the Lord is concerned, <laughs> have been raised up with the Jesus whom we've embraced. Well, what about that? What, 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 what does that mean? Well, let's go back up to chapter 1. You need to know this is in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart the eyes of your heart. You need to see something with your heart. That your eyes may be lightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Do you hear that? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Back in heaven, Jesus now, seated at the right hand of the Father. Satan could not defeat him or keep him. He's been raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in law. Where, where is Jesus in this statement? Where is Jesus now? Seated at the right hand of the Father, given the name that is above every other name, the authority over every other level and measure and type of authority in the universe. All things have been placed under the feet of that Jesus. Where are you? Where are you? Not physically, but your spirit, by means of the spirit, is where Jesus Christ is today. Meaning that we, properly understanding this, are not looking up at all that the devil is doing, all the commotion he's causing, all the stirring that he's working with. Instead of looking up at Satan, properly understood, child of God, you're looking down at him. You're looking down at him. Does that mean that Satan still has, that he, that he, that he has no power? Certainly he has power. Does it mean that, that, that he has no measure of authority to do certain things? Yes, he still has. But Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. In heaven and on earth, you go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations because all authority ultimately is in my hand. And he said, where you go, I'm going to be. Where you go, I'm going to be. Invisibly, he would be present. But visibly, they would be present. Here's something. For the purpose of prayer, for the purpose of understanding how to engage the heart of our Father at the place of faith. I don't understand it, Lord, but I accept it as true. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am an exalted child of God because of my union with Jesus. And on the basis of that, I speak to you. Not crying out for help as if I'm going down for the last time and there's no hope for me and I'm not really sure who won this fight, whether it was really devil, the devil or Jesus, but I'm understanding and I declare it and I confess it. All things are under the feet of my Savior. The Savior lives in me. Jesus is alive in me. And I declare that he has all authority. He has all authority. Now, that, that's step number two, but here's number three. And all these are tied together. They, they, one is connected to the other. They build upon the other. I am 
When I come to the Lord, when you come to the Lord in prayer, I'm coming to you, Lord, as your child. As your child. Abba, I'm coming to you. I don't have to introduce myself to you. You know me. You love me. You drew me to yourself. You won my heart. I am your child. And I'm coming to you as a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the one who has all authority over everything, I'm coming to you as a joint heir. Here's number three. I'm coming to you to enforce your authority on this earth. I'm coming. I told you. Blow your hat in the creek. Listen Listen, listen, this isn't about running around and barking off commands and claiming this and naming that and doing this other stuff that would come from what our wishes and our wants would be. This comes from having the sense of what the Father's heart is, what the Father's will would be, and for you to here on this earth, be understanding your position. In some cases, in the place of prayer, not to ask for anything, but to enforce, to enforce, to enforce what he decrees to you, declares to you as his will. You say, Pastor, where in the world do you get that? We've been over this a few times, but I, I just can't get away from it because it ties in so much to what I believe the next step for the American church is the Lord is wanting to raise us up in this nation to enforce his authority in this nation. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's not about parts of the, 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 the states that you live in, blue, red, whatever, polka dot. It, it, is, it is about... You as a child of God, me as a child of God, understand my father listens to me and I can bring to him what is on my heart. I'm coming before him as his child, but I'm coming before him as a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm coming before him not, not looking up to the devil, but in the position of who I am in Christ, looking down at what Satan is trying to do, and I am thirdly here Still on this earth for the purpose. God has left me here on this earth for this day and this time with this setting that I may be used of him through prayer to enforce his authority on the earth. You say, where'd you get that? Matthew 6. Every place where the Lord would be, in, would be asked, how do we pray? How do we pray? How do we pray? How do we pray? It's stunning that in the listing of the five or six lines in the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, there's not one of them that is a request. It's the enforcing of through the agreement. Come, kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, I please ask you to bring your kingdom. That's not what he said. Wrong way to pray it. I'm hoping, Lord, that you just please somehow, you know, give me your will. That's not how you pray. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. 
on this earth as it is in heaven. Be done down here. What is your heart up there? Well, folks, what if it's like a two-signatory check where you got to sign it and somebody else has to sign it for it to be good? What if it's that? His will signed and sealed in glory. This is my will. This is my heart to set captives free. To bring breakthroughs, to bring the, the, the revolutions that set folks free. That's it signed and sealed. But church, you've got to sign it. On this earth, standing here, living here, being in this earth, on this earth. And you say, come kingdom of God. Be done. Well, when we say enforce the kingdom of God... If we were talking about enforcing the kingdom of Satan, that would be about stealing, killing, and destroying. But if we're talking about in agreement with him, saying, Lord, kingdom come right here, will of God be done right here, it means that we are enforcing his will to save the lost, to set captives free, to heal broken hearts, to, to bring justice, and, and all of the things that are the good part of God. You and where you stand with your family and as a member of this nation, whatever it would be, to be able to say, God, I don't need to ask you what your will is for America. I don't need to ask you what your will is for the crooked, lying politicians or whatever in various places. Break their arms, Lord. Not, not physically, but where there is, where there is an attempt to, to, to destroy lives and to steal from people and all that kind of stuff, God, that's not you. We're not talking about pistols and knives and firebombs and anything in the natural. No. If the enemy can only get the church so stewed up and so confused that they only think about physical weapons and physical destruction, he knows that he keeps us in a place of limping along weakness. Well, I'll tell you what scares the liver out of him is when you and I take to heart what we're talking about this morning. I'm not a child of this world. I'm not a child of Satan anymore. I'm a child of Almighty God because of my relationship with Jesus. And because of that, I have been elevated, I have been put, I have been exalted in a sense to that place of being a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ who has all authority over every. There's no name that matches his name. Every name is beneath his name. I stand in agreement in a union with my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here in this life, I'm here on this earth to enforce the authority of God my King. He's not, you say, well, that, does that violate the free will of man? Does that violate the free will of man? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not going to violate somebody's will. He's going to win their will. He's going to bend their will. He's going to woo and win and bring them to the conclusion like he did with so many of us. Well, we, from, for years we hated God, didn't want anything to do with God. Then by his grace, he won us. Whoever they are, wherever they are, Lord, send your kingdom. Come kingdom of God. It's in the imperative mood, which means the command. Kingdom of God speaks of the hearts of people. 
The will of God, be done will of God, speaks of the circumstances and the events and the affairs in life, things that are, have, have a physical implication. But this is, the kingdom is about Jesus, the king, coming to live in the heart of somebody. I just wonder, I just wonder how much that the Lord has already signed off on. His will. His desire, but he's waiting for you and me to put our name to the other signature blank, meaning that, Lord, I'm here on this earth enforcing your authority for that lost one to be saved, for this nation to be brought back to you, for the sick to be, whatever it would be, he will show you, enforce my authority here. You say, God wouldn't really talk to me. How would I know? My sheep hear my voice. We start doubting whether you were an exception to the promises, then, then we just can preclude ourselves and exclude ourselves from all kinds of blessing. If God said it, he'll do it. If he said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they'll follow me. That means you. Are you Jesus' sheep? Then you're one of them. Listen up. Listen up. Three steps. Spirit of Jesus, make this real to us. Father, I'm coming to you as your child. I'm coming to you as a joint heir with Jesus, the one who has all authority. I stand with him, linked with him, united with him. And I'm coming to you for instructions on how to enforce your authority on this earth. There are some, there are some veterans of the prayer wars, prayer wars that are listening this morning, here in this room, part of our streaming family. And you know when there have been times when the Lord spoke directly, clearly, strongly to you, you had a distinct sense of what his will was in a situation. And every time you'd start trying to pray, oh Lord, that your will be done, it's like the Spirit was already told you what my will is. Agree with me. Agree with me on this earth that there are some mamas praying for, for, for grown-up little ones or, or, or grandparents, spouses praying for spouses, folks praying for businesses, those kinds of things. You come to your Father in those places of need. Father, I'm coming as your child. Something inside of me bears the resemblance of you. There is a dignity of my relationship with you when I come to you, not scared, not timid, but I come to you boldly because you're my Father. Forgiven me. You've forgiven me. You've called me. You love me. But then I'm coming to you united with Jesus, raised up above every level of authority. The name of I'm coming to you united with Jesus. Because that's what you said I am, a joint heir. And then I'm coming to you to enforce your authority on this earth within the sphere that you've given me. Lord, only you can make this real to us. But I pray that every open heart to these truths 
you will bless with a sense of confirmation. That's truth. You can trust me to guide you. I will. Some of your people, Lord, already know, but they've just been, we've just been timid to pray that aggressively or that confidently. Lord, will you remove that from us? And will you cause us to settle into that place of power? That place of power. I'm your child. I'm united with the exalted Christ. And I'm here to enforce your authority, Lord. Show me. We bless you. Thank you. I, we're going to close this time together. But, but I, I want to ask those of you who have felt like this is connected, this is hit, streaming family as well as the ones right in this room, I want you to stand up and I want to pray through this like I would pray through it. Not, not that I'm the, the, the final test or the total example, but I'm telling you folks, when you step into your place that God has apportioned you, there comes to be a freedom and a confidence, a humility, because you know it's all about His authority. The devil doesn't care anything about us, but but when we stand in resistance to the enemy's plan in the authority of Jesus, he will back down. Some cases it may be 49 years like Roe versus Wade. But he's going down. He's going down. He's going down. We will see a victory. The battle is the Lord's. Now you just open your, if you just open your hands, just open your hands. Lord, Lord, we need this. We need this truth. We need this truth. We come to you this day, this hour, with the pressing needs, the burdens that we feel, the things on our heart. But Lord, we come to you as your child, as your child, with the authority of a child, knowing that you, we are loved by you, Lord. Where we're having a hard time with that, would you convince us of it? Bless you for your mercy. Bless you for your patience with us. We come to you believing that we will be heard because you are our Father and we are your child. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Father! Abba! 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 And then, Lord, we bless you that in ways that we can't even understand, you have raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly places. And that everything that has a name, everything that has a marriage of authority and rule is under the feet of Jesus, the exalted Christ. We take our position with Him, Lord. Exalted by Your love and grace and mercy, put in position by Your plan. And we say to You, we believe it. We don't understand it, but we believe that we're united with Christ in His exalted position with you. And then now, Lord, we say to you, we are here to enforce your authority, to agree with your will and to enforce your authority to accomplish that will. We accept and own that a part of that is our participation. A part of that is going to be our words speaking. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. That you have us here 
in agreement with you to enforce your authority. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless the socks off your people this week as they step into that from humility, not naming and claiming everything we want, but having the sense that's not, that's not God, that's Satan. That, that, that's not the truth, that's a lie. That's not just, that's unjust. That, that's not life, that's death. And that we would take your side on those positions in those places and we'd realize we're still here seeing that to enforce your authority. Show wives how to pray that way. Show husbands, show, show mamas, dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends, business partners, business owners, Show us, Lord. Show us. Speak to your sheep. This is so good, Lord. It's just almost buying blood. Could this really be true? We say it's true because you said it's true. Help us to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got to quit. There's so much more. I better let you go. But we're going next week, more of this along this same line. You bring some folks with you that may need to be the encouraged. They feel like they've been beaten up, beaten up, beaten up, beaten up. Whoa! Who's an authority? Who has all authority? Colossians 1 will say we have been transferred from the authority of Satan and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We are only under... The enemy's authority, if we allow it, if we agree with it, if we put up with it, doesn't mean we'll have no struggles, have, have no challenges, but those can be for the very purpose of just training us in how to stand and enforce the Lord's authority, even in the face of opposition. Maybe 49 years, maybe two minutes. You just don't know. All right. Prayer partners, if you'll come this way, Alamo City family in this room, if we can pray with you, if we can agree with you, let us do that. Streaming family, bless you wherever you are, and you're all over the place, and we love hearing from you. It means a lot. That gets passed back to me, the encouragement and the, the way that specific things seem to hit. That, that's a blessing. That's a blessing to hear. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, if there's a prayer request that we can pray with you about, we just love getting those, and we're thrilled to be able to pray with you. And as the answers come or breakthroughs come, let us know. But as the needs continue to be there, we love getting those as well. All right? All right, I hope you're leaving here now with some things maybe you hadn't thought about before you came in. If you need to come this way so we can pray with you, do that. If not, would you just find somebody that looks like they could use a little encouragement? Hug a neck, shake a hand, bless somebody with the words of your mouth, and somebody wants to bless you, you just receive it. But let's let the body of Christ do what the body of Christ does best when we have a chance to get together and thank the Lord we're able to get back together now. But don't be in a hurry to leave. If you need to stay and just sit and pray, you, you stay as long as you want to. But let's, let's follow the Lord, the Lord as, we, as we dismiss now. Streaming family, bless you too for being with us. God bless you. Come this way if we can help. We'll see you next time.